Got to take a couple of deep breaths here. It'd be easy to kind of get emotional. <laughs> uh, it is a, uh, a, a great honor, a privilege, joy, all of the above to be with you guys for these uh, few minutes on this uh, Sunday morning. Uh, Really, if you want to know the truth about how I got here, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, as, as Pastor Ho made reference, he and Daniel got in from Puerto Rico just the other night. They were leaving the airport, and they came by that intersection where you typically see somebody standing out there with a piece of cardboard. And, and I, on the cardboard, I said, we'll work for food. We'll work for food. And, and so I, I came this morning, and... I attended the uh, Young Pros class and was fed waffles. Yeah. Was fed some waffles. So I've got my food. I guess I still have to work. I don't know. But uh, uh, a lady asked me the other, well, as a matter of fact, it was just last Sunday, if, if I missed preaching. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of had to think about that for a minute. One thing I don't miss is the pressure. Okay, because it doesn't make any difference how many people died. doesn't make any difference if you went to Puerto Rico. It doesn't make any difference what transpires to the week. Guess what? Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. And, and, and so there, there's that certain amount of pressure, and, and I'm glad not to feel that anymore. And, uh, but there's, there's moments like this. To have an opportunity... To get below the surface, we, we're, we're so, I'm so prone, okay, I'll speak for myself, okay, I'm so prone to engage conversation and just kind of deal with the surface stuff, and, and it's not frequent that you can go below the surface and get down to the place that I, I want to refer to in, in just as what I think of as holy ground. Where, where we interact not just with each other, but it, it's, it's a place of intimacy with the Lord and in fellowship with each other. And I look at preaching as that opportunity. I, I, I think it presents an opportunity to say we're here for something more than just surface stuff. I think that we, most of us would be in agreement that we're here to go below the surface and to truly experience what we refer to as worship of God. And, and so that's what I want to do this morning, okay? I miss that, okay? And I, I, want, to, I want us to, let's go together, okay? Let, let's get down there together on that. So will you go with me, okay? Will you go with me? And, and, and that which is going to help us get there is, is this right here? And, and one of the other things that I miss about preaching is, is the, the, the preacher, he, he, has to, he has to get into it, and it has to get into him before it can get out. And, and that's, that's a, when you get into God's Word, and you wrestle with God's Word, and you study God's Word, and you, you dig into God's Word, that's when you, you meet the Lord. You meet the Lord there. And, and uh, sometimes we're creatures of pressure. Is anybody else here like me as a creature of pressure? And, and preaching kind of 
kind of was that pressure point, you know, that didn't allow me to, to ease up too much. And, and so I, I thank God that I've had this opportunity that Daniel read that sign, okay, and, 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 and invited me to come to be with you guys this morning. And so as, as, we, as we look at, at a little bit into God's Word this morning, let's pray that we go deeper. God, I, I'm not particularly a deep guy, and, and I can pretty well go almost the whole day with, with surface stuff. But God, this is your time. And God, we, we come here to meet you. And I, I, I know that there's folks in here, they've come for this reason. And God, I, I want to do my best in the power of your Holy Spirit to lead us to a place, Lord, that you can speak to us. Not only as, as individuals, God, but God as, as a church. God is a corporate body of believers. The corporate that... That, that, that body that is to bring glory to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show you two pictures. I think they're be on the screen. There's one picture. Does anybody know what that's a picture of? The Millers and the, the uh, that, that's a picture of Bryce Canyon. Okay? That's a picture of Bryce Canyon. I want to tell you, now there's a couple of trees in the foreground there. And, and this right here is, is a picture from Zion. Okay, Zion National Park out in Utah. Both of those are national parks in Utah. And for the most part, you know what you're looking at? What do you see? Say it. Rock. <laughs> rocks. That's all. That's what you see is rocks. And, and Susan and I, if you all, some of y'all have been here for a while, know that when I retired, you knew word got out that we loved to go to the national parks and we wanted to go to Zion and Bryce. And so you gave us... <clears throat> Pastor Hope some dinero, dinero, all right, in other words, money. Is, is that right? Did I get the right dinero? Okay, anyway, I got some money, he gave us some money to go to the National, to go to Zion and Bryce, where we finally got there, okay? In fact, matter of fact, this time last month, that's where we were, okay? And we just saw that. And, but, but what I want you to understand is how, that, now that's just a picture, you know, and that doesn't do a whole lot to you, but... We were there, and, and, and we experienced what it means to stand among those massive rock formations. And, and I just can't explain to you how big that was and how, how small I felt. It, 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 it was this feeling of awe. It was this feeling of magnificence. And, and, and I looked at these rock formations, and, and I, I, I sensed something of the glory of God, the glory of God being displayed, on display, in rock. Just, from my perspective, rock is about the lowest form of creation. I mean, it's cold, it doesn't do anything, there's no life in a rock, it's just hard, okay? As a matter of fact, I think Jesus made a point that when he went into Jerusalem on the last time, in his triumphal entry, all his disciples were giving praise to the Lord and, and, and expressing their excitement about, uh, 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 towards Jesus. And then there were some of these religious leaders that uh, they were kind of huffy about it, you know, and they were stiff and, and, and told Jesus, said, tell your disciples to quit giving me praise, you know, giving you praise and so forth. And here's what, you know what Jesus said to them? 
If they don't give praise to me, and if you don't, if you don't give praise to me, what? The rocks will cry out. The lowest form of creation will cry out and express praise to me. And I think he's, I think he's purposely saying, the lowest form, you're my crown of creation. Mankind is my crown of creation. Rock of my lowest form of creation. But your hearts are harder than that rock. And you're more stubborn than I write. And I'm more likely to give glory to my... There's, there's more likelihood of there being glory displayed through rock than there is in you. in you. And so, when we think about God's display of His glory, what is it that God is using today to display His glory? Well, yes, 4.5 million people 4.5 million people from literally all nations because when we were in, in, in Zion and in Bryce, well, 2.6 million go to Bryce, 4.5 million go to Zion. Literally all nations were there. Primarily Japanese and Chinese, okay? But we saw some Europeans, we saw some South Americans, we saw all, all nations that were there come to see the display of God's glory, okay? Today, today, what I want to point out to you this morning in, in a few scriptures in chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, I want you to see something. And that is, what is today's means of God displaying His glory? It's you. It's you right here. North Roanoke Baptist Church, it is in God's eternal plan of redemption to display His glory through people like us. Through this church which includes you. And so let's look at it quickly together. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading around verse 8. Paul says, Paul says in verse 8, he says, To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. God's got some rich things for us in Christ Jesus in this rich relationship that we have with Him. And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for the ages was hidden in God who created all things in order that, follow this, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through who? The church. The church. The manifold wisdom of God. God wants to put that on display and as a testimony to His work and what He does in life. He wants to do it through us. Through the church. Through the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Now go down to verse 20. Now to him, you say, well, how in the world is that going to happen? Okay, what's the possibilities of that happening in my life and in my church? Well, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's a statement that I think is in your sermon notes, and that is, it is God's eternal plan of redemption, that His glory be displayed through the church. What He gives to us, what He gives to us in chapter 3 is, a pic, is the picture that this is what you and I, this is what the church is to put on display, the glory of God in the church. That's the picture. But, what's reality? Reality is, where do you go to experience that is in the church. And, and so the picture of seeing something like what you see at, at, at Zion or Bryce Canyon is, is, is nothing but a picture, but 
You need to be there. You need to be there. And this is where people need to come to not just read about the glory of God, but to experience the glory of God. So the question, the question comes to mind is how does all of this happen? How, how is, what does it take for, for God's glory to be displayed in the church? Because the church is made up of who? People. You and me. And uh, is anybody perfect here, by the way? No. You know, lots of imperfections around, okay? Lots of stones, lots of rocks, okay? But it, it, it's in the relationships that we have in the church. That's what the church is all about. Somebody once said that Christianity is what? All about relationships. It's all about relationships. And first and foremost, what he just told us in chapter 3, is it's all about our relationship with God. Because when our relationship with God is what it ought to be, then he is able to do beyond all that we can imagine, all that we can even think or ask. That's what he's able to do by the strength that, that he empowers us to do. So what is it that we need strength for? Now, if there's anything that we need strength for, it's in relationships. Because I'm going to make you a promise, okay? And this is a promise that I learned over the, my years of being a pastor and really my continued involvement in the church, even though I'm not a pastor. Okay, I didn't quit the church, by the way. All right? And, 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 and here's a promise I can make for you. You're going to run into some difficult people in the church. Would you say amen to that? <laughs> there's, going to, there's going to be some difficult people in the church. Because people are sinners. And there's going to be some personality conflicts. There's going to be some hurts, okay? Whether they be intentional or whether they be unintentional. But that's, that's what relationships, and that's what, that's what you get in the church. And yet at the same time, at the same time, what God's telling us is that His greatest display of His glory is now not in, in, in creation. There is a continued display of his glory in creation, yes. But his greatest plan for displaying his glory is through us in relationships. And so, as I read chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, I want you to, I want you to go with me to find out what, is our, what are our relationships supposed to look like? Alright, so let's look. Therefore, because of our relationship with God and what He is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond that we all can uh, either ask or think, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling, which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as also you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, of all who is over all and through all and in all. Okay? That's a lot. Then he goes on. But to each one of us individuals, each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lowest parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, also he who <clears throat> ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. 
And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature man, to the measure and the stature which all belongs to the fullness of Christ. Whew. Man, try to get your mind and heart around all that. And as you do, you'll get to a place in your relationship with God that uh, He does business with us. Well, let's look. Let's look. Here, here, I, I, I'm going to borrow, not steal, I'm going to give him credit, okay? A statement from a preacher named John Piper. You all probably heard of John Piper. I made reference to him when I was here many times and read some books by him. He's a prolific writer, great theologian. He made this statement. He said, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. What a profound statement. In other words, God is not glorified when I'm bitter about something. That's not a glory to God. I, I, God is not glorified when I'm resentful about something. Okay? And, 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 and so, God is most glorified as I am just most satisfied in Him. Okay? Now, I'm going to borrow that statement. I'm going to tweak it a little bit. And, and, and I'm going to apply it to this particular text that I've just read. And here's the first thing that I want to say. As we look at these verses, particularly in chap chapter 4, verses uh, about 1 through 6, God is most glorified as the church is most unified in Him. In other words, a, a, a divisive, conflictive relationships is not a glory to God. Would you agree with that? Does anybody want to go into a home where there's conflict? <laughs> I, I, you've been there, I've been there. What do you want to do? You kind of want to get out just as quickly as possible. You know? Oh, I'm glad they go. Well, let's get away from here. You don't want to be around people that are like that. And, and so what he said, God is most glorified as the church is most unified in Him. Now, what's the standard of unification here? What's the standard of, of, of oneness? Of oneness? What, what is it that we're supposed to hold in our mind about oneness? About this, 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 this issue of being at unity in relationships? What's our standard for that? Well, I want to point you over to what Jesus prayed for when He prayed for you and me. And he prayed for the church. I want you to look at John chapter 17, verse 20. And here's what he has to say. Jesus is praying. This is his intercessory prayer. He says, I do not ask in behalf of these alone, these disciples alone, but for those who will also believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, even as thou, Father, art in me. Here's the oneness. The oneness that you are in me and I am in thee that they also may be in us. Now, I don't know. I, I, I can't explain all that, but all I can say, that's oneness, okay? That is really a model of oneness. That the world may believe that thou didst send me. Now, here he goes again. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them even as thou didst love me. Now, 
I don't have nearly enough time, and I'm not even going to say I understand all that. But I am saying this, the model and the expectation and the desire of the unity that God has for the church that we might display His, 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 his glory is nothing less, than, nothing less than the unity of the Trinity itself. Now, that's, that's not a unity that's just simply the absence of conflict. Okay? That's not just because a husband and wife can, may not be, have the absence of conflict. They may not be fighting. <laughs> but they may still not be one. Okay? So we're, we're talking about a, a, a level here of intimacy and closeness. And, and, he, and he's saying, that's where, that's where we're to be. In, this, in, in, in relationships that we might be a glory to God. So, how does this happen? He tells us that. He tells us from a practical point of view how this unity happens. And the first thing I want us to point to is what is it that God brings into this? In other words, if you, if you get, what is it, 220 that goes up towards Covington, goes through, uh, goes through Daleville, up through Covington, and, and you go through a little town called Iron Gate. You know what happens at Iron Gate? The Cow Pasture River and the Jackson River, they come together. And, and the Cow Pasture River is crystal clear. I mean, five feet of water, and, and the bottom looks like it's, you can touch it. I mean, it is crystal clear. The Jackson River, well, it comes through Covington, you got the paper mill, and it could be a foot of water, and you can't even, you couldn't see anything on the bottom. And so what you got, what you got is these two rivers, one of them crystal clear, one of them pure, and the other one full of muck and contaminants and whatever the case might be, but they converge at the place of Iron Gate and they form what? The James River. And so there's the convergence and you got the flow of the one that's pure and the flow of one that's impure. And guess what happens at the church? Guess what happens at the church? Guess what happens when you, 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 and me, when we, when, when we get on our knees and we humble ourselves before the Lord and we say, Lord Jesus, come into our life, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. The Spirit of Jesus comes into our life. We're born again, the Bible says. And, and, and we are of one Spirit. He has breathed life into us. And so all of a sudden you've got this convergence of the Holy Spirit and then you've got this convergence of this sinful spirit, this human spirit, that we, this, this natural man that come together, and one of them's murky, okay? And, 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 and the other one is pure. And, and, and the question's going to be just how much of an influence is the flow of the Holy Spirit, the flow of God into our lives, going to overcome, overcome that which is the results of the stain of sin within our life. And, and, and if sin ever raises its ugly head, guess what it's going to do? It's going to do it in a relationship. Guys, I, I can... Well, I'm not, a, not, not the pastor anymore, but when I was the pastor, you know, I could be the good pastor, you know, I could be the holy man, you know, I could, I could come and, and preach a sermon and, and all that. But guess what? If, if I go home... I go home and I don't have the relationship that I ought to have with Susan. Guess what? Where does, where does sin raise its ugly head? I'll tell you where it does. 
And of all places, it'll do it in the home, okay? Of all places, it'll do it at home, but it'll also do it in just, in just relationships. And so that's what we have to deal with. And, and we can't deal with it all. We're dependent on the flow of the Holy Spirit, the flow of God. One Spirit, one Lord, one Lord that gives us one faith. What is it that we all have in common? Those of us who are believers, the earliest profession of faith is what? Jesus is what? Lord. Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? Jesus is Master. And so something that all of us have in common is this. It's no longer what Daryl Krim wants. It's no longer what I want to do. Be who I want to be, have what I want to have. It's what Jesus wants me to do, what Jesus wants me to have, what Jesus wants me to be. He's on the throne of my life. And that's what that's what Jesus in me brings into a relationship. It brings, that's what it brings into a relationship. One, one hope. Jesus is coming about again. One faith, one baptism. What does baptism say? Baptism says that Daryl Krim, when I got in those baptism waters, Daryl Krim died. I died. And, and I was buried in baptism to raise in newness of life. And, 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 and so Daryl Krim is dead. And so it's, relationships become all about Jesus and, and not about me, not about my agendas, not about what I like or what I don't like. And, 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 and so... He's given us the foundation here of what it is that a relationship with God brings into the relationship of this church so that we can have a, 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 a display of God's glory. And so the next question is this, what does it take on our parts to get there? What does it take on our parts? Well, he gets, he gets kind of straight on this, doesn't he? He tells us in the very first verse, uh, very first verses here, let me turn back in, in my text, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Daryl, here's what I expect of you, Daryl. Daryl, I expect you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. This is what I called you to do. Well, what is that calling? Well, you've been called to walk with humility in, in relationships, practice humility. So how, how easy it is, how, how quickly the sinful side of me wants to reduce relationships to a win-lose relationship. Oftentimes I find myself wanting to compete with somebody. I want to win the argument. <laughs> I, I want to be the winner. You know, and, and I'll build my case. And Susan shoots me down every time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's just what we do. That's just what we do. And, and, and so what we got to do is... It, Paul, when he writes to the, to the church in Philippi, Paul says, make my joy complete. Okay? And, and he says, he says Here, here's the, the mind of Christ. You bring the mind of Christ into a relationship. And what is the mind of Christ? Well, that you no longer merely look out for your own personal interests, but look out for the interests of each other. Have this mind in yourself that was also in Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness, that just turns, that turns everything upside down. And the next thing you know, the next thing you know, you're being bound together with those people that you're serving in, in a spirit of humility rather than trying to win your side of the story. Humility, he goes on and mentions these things that we hate to hear, patience, okay? Patience, you know what patience is? Long-suffering, some of your translations will use long-suffering, with what? The weakness of others. You know what, you know what my weakness is? It's when you start talking about me and then you say, well, that Daryl Cameron's a pretty good guy, but. 
Look out. <laughs> Here comes the weakness. Okay? But we're, we're to be patient, long-suffering with those weaknesses of others. And, and those weaknesses of others show our imperfections. Okay? But the difference between us and them out there is that they see difference in our relationship. And, and it's, it's a matter of practicing humility and patience and forbearance to one another. Well, God is most glorified as the church is most unified in Him. God is most glorified as the church's ministry. And we have to be, well, let me back up. We've got to be diligent about that. We've got to be diligent. Church unity flows out of our diligence. That's what he says. That's the word that he uses. Daryl, be diligent to practice humility. Be diligent to practice patience. Be diligent to do things, to, to, to work at that unity in all of our relationships. And then God is most glorified as the church's ministry is most diversified in him. God is not glorified in the church where just a few people do everything. God is not glorified in the church that has a burned out pastor. God is not glorified in the church that has a burned out staff. God is not glorified in a church where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And that's, and that's the typical standard in churches. God is not glorified in a church where there's a lot of dead wood. God is glorified in a church where people are engaged and involved in ministry. And so the question is, what has God done? to diversify the ministry, to empower every member of the body of Christ. Well, we read about it in these, in these verses. He tells us down around verse 7, but to each one, each one, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I had to think about that one for a while. I had to study on that one. What is, he gave you a gift in, in accordance with the measure of Christ's gift. Well, what, what, was, what, was, what was that gift? I believe it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. What measure of the Holy Spirit did Christ have? He had it all. Would you agree? He had it all. Now, when you, when you trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, how much of the Holy Spirit did you get? You got it in accordance with the measure of Christ did. You got it all. When you get Jesus, you get all the Spirit. That's how much is in you if you've given your life to Christ. Now, here's the issue. It's not a matter. The issue is not how much of the Holy Spirit you have. The issue is how much of the Holy Spirit has of you. Are we willing to give Him all of ourselves to Him? And so that's the measure of Christ's gift. He's given it to you all. But then He goes on and He says this. He says not only God's gift for our ministry connection to get involved. He's giving you the Holy Spirit in, in full measure. But then he talks about God's gifts for our ministry connection. And he makes the statement that a lot of times you want to kind of jump over because it's, what in the world are you saying? And he says, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he had descended? into the lowest parts of the earth. What is he talking about? Well, who was it that descended? Jesus, he left heaven, he came down to earth. He came down to the lowest parts of the earth. And what did he do? He engaged in a battle. He engaged in a spiritual battle. He had to defeat Satan. He had to defeat the powers of sin. He had to defeat the rules and the powers of, 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 of the air. 
Because he talks about it in the book of Ephesians. And so the question is, did Jesus do that? He absolutely did. He went to the cross. He was buried. God raised him from the dead. He descended into the lowest parts of the earth. And he led captive the host of captives. The picture, the picture that's given to us is Psalm 68, 18. And the picture is this. It's the picture of this king that leaves his kingdom and he goes to the kingdom, he goes to the place where his people are being held captive by other rulers and authorities. And this king leaves his place, goes to that place where they're being held captive. He defeats the rulers and authorities and he takes those rulers and authority captive and he leads them back to his kingdom. And when he comes back, there's this victory parade, okay? And in this victory parade, he's being showered with gifts. And that's what Psalm 68, 18 says, that this king, that this victorious king that conquered the enemy that's come back, and he, he is receiving, that's what it says, he, is, he receives the gifts. But then Paul says, he gives the gifts. Well, what did he do? Did he receive the gifts or did he give the gifts? <laughs> Some, some, some scholars and commentators will say this, that Paul misquoted Psalm 68, 18, that he made a mistake. Uh, I don't buy that because I believe that Paul was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to make it known to these people in Ephesus and to the church and that's sitting out there in North Carolina Baptist Church, that which Jesus gave, he didn't, I mean, receive, he didn't keep it for himself. He gave it to us. He gave it to us. The gifts that he received that, he, that was due to him for, for his victory over in conquering the enemy, he didn't keep it to himself. He gave it to us to empower us and to equip us to do the ministry of the church so that we're diversified so that we might be a glory to his name. Now that's the victory that Jesus gave. He gave gifts to men. But then he goes on and he says this. He says, but then he throws this other thing in here. But he also gave to the church, he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors, teachers. Now, I'm going to group those last two together, pastors, teachers, because the original language is not the and in there. It's, a, it's kind of like a hyphen. It, 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 it means that the, the one he's talking about in the local church, because these other three are itinerant, okay? The apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, they're sort of the itinerant ministers that God gave to the church under his authority to, to build the church. But then you deal with the pastor teacher and he's the local guy. He's the Daniel. Used to be the Daryl, okay? But now, but now it's the Daniel. Now it's the Daniel. And, and you know, for years I could well, for years I didn't really get that, okay? I didn't understand all that. But now I can speak to it because I'm not being self-serving here, okay? I want you to understand something. When God gives a pastor to a church, that's God's gift to the church. It's God's gift to the church. I don't care how you voted. It's God's gift to the church. God called me. That wasn't of my doing. I didn't want to go into the ministry. That was the last thing I wanted to do. But God got his hand on me. And God changed my life and began changing my life from the inside out. And I began to decide, I'm not Daryl's guy anymore. I'm God's guy. And God, anything you want me to do, I'll do. Even if it means getting up in front of people and preaching. 
And I didn't want to do that. And so what I want you to understand is, here you got this army. You got this army. And, and the, the victor, the, the, the commander-in-chief of the army, Jesus, he won the victory, but he didn't keep the gifts to himself. He gave them to all the soldiers. He gave it to those that are still down here fighting the battles. But every army needs what? Leadership. Leadership. What good is it if everyone that's got a gift is doing their own thing? What if we're all like a bunch of cats? Just want to go our own way. We're trying to herd the cats. But everybody, y'all know we can't. I mean, anyway. <laughs> a church needs a leader. A pastor, a teacher. And, 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 and it, is, it is a God, it is a God-ordained relationship. Okay, I, I don't know how to say it any stronger than that. And, and, and I, know, I want you to know, you know, I'm not talking about myself, okay? But I'm talking about, and that's how I relate to my pastor now, okay? The church where Susan and I go to, I relate to him because I, I, I know that I, I'm not the guy. He's the guy. And I know that God's called him. And I'm going to do everything I can to encourage him and strengthen him and support that ministry and the vision that he's having with that church because that's a God-ordained. God Not only did he give gifts to men, but God gave these leaders to the church for his glory, for his glory. And so, God is most glorified as the church's ministry is most diversified. God gives his gift for our ministry. God gives gifts for our ministry. And then finally and quickly, God's goal for our ministry. And boy, you read down through the rest of the chapter from down around verse 13 and following, and you read words like this, unity, maturity, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, what that's saying to me, Daryl, you're, you're 69 years old, you're pastor for 44 years. God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. Because the, the maturity that I want to see in you is the maturity level that fits to the stature of Christ. And I thank God that I hadn't hit a dead end street. I thank God for that. I thank God that Christianity is a walk with the Lord and it's a journey that's eternal. And, and you know, it, it, it's exciting to me. It's exciting to me to, to, to meet with your young pros. I, I, I love doing that. that we meet on Tuesday night, the, the young adult uh, group, and we meet on Wednesday, on, on, and I, I love to be around them. These, these young folks, are, they're, they're hungry, and they're, they're authentic, they're genuine, and, and we search the scriptures together, and we study. Right now, we're studying the book of Acts. And I'll tell you something, though, that, that's even more exciting to me, <laughs> is when I'm around a bunch of senior adults that hadn't lost it, that hadn't lost that. And, and what a joy it is. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he writes the book of Philippians, he says, I hadn't reached it yet. He said, I keep pressing on. Guess how old he is? He's in his 60s. And he's been following the Lord for 30 years. And he still says, I haven't got there yet. I'm still pressing on. What a great spirit. That is the spirit of maturity. That you're always maturing in Christ. So, We've all got somewhere to go in our faith and it's closer to Him. Why? Not just for yourself, 
Not just for yourself, but what? For the glory of God. When, when, when North Royal Baptist Church, the, 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 the closer we get to the unity that's displayed for us in the unity of the Trinity, the closer we get to those maturing, involved, engaged folks serving the Lord in the spirit of Jesus and growing and maturing in Christ with a hunger and a thirst that we never lose, whew, that's better than looking at Zion. That's better than looking at Bryce. That is the glory of God. God, thank you. God, thank you so much for this church. God, thank you so much for the hunger and the desire that you've placed in these people to come to know you. God, to get in service with you. God, not to be content just to sit at home, not to be content to just get involved in the things of the world, but God, to realize, to realize that there's not a more important, more significant organism, a body to be engaged with and, and, and supporting and involving than the church. And the church, God, thank you for that. And Lord, may you just continue to raise up a mighty army here for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.